If you have your Bibles this morning, just a short Thanksgiving message. We are going to read quite a bit of Scripture, but I just want to pull out a couple of things in this Scripture. Last week, we started on a message or a mini-series, or I don't know what it's going to turn out to be on the name of Jesus. We're going to continue that next week uh, with some more of that, but take a break today and just sort of do a Thanksgiving message since Thanksgiving for us is this week. And I want to talk about the manifestation of Thanksgiving, the manifestation of Thanksgiving. If you have your Bible, please turn to Genesis chapter number 14. And actually, we are going to read that whole chapter, okay? So get ready, take a deep breath. Thank you, Sister Sharon, that was good. And uh, yeah, we're going to go through this whole chapter, amen? All right, the Bible says, chapter 14, verse 1. And it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elisar, Kedor Laomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, that they made war with Bera, king of Sodom, Beersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma. Shemabir, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar. All these joined together in the valley of Siddim, that is the Salt Sea. Twelve years they served Kedor Laomer, and the kings that were with him came and attacked Rephaim in Ashtaroth, Karnam, the Zuzim in Ham, the Emim in Shaveh, Kiriathim, and the Horites and their mountain of Seir, as far as El Paran, which is by the wilderness. Verse 7. Then they turned back and came to En Mishpat, that is Kadesh, and attacked all the country of the Amalekites, and also the Amorites who dwelt in Hezazon, Tamar. And the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela went out and joined together in the battle in the valley of Siddim. Against Kedor Laomer, king of Elam, Tidal, king of nations, Amaraphel, king of Shinar, and Arioch, king of Elisar, four kings against five. Now the valley of Siddim was full of asphalt pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Some fell there, and the remainder fled to the mountains. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, Abraham's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods and departed. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshkel, and brother of Aner, and they were allies with Abram. Now, when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. 
So, verse 16 says, he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Kedor Laomer and the kings who were with him. Verse 18. And this is where we're going to take our text from this morning. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the God Most High, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand, and he gave him a tithe of all. Now Sodom, the king of Sodom, said to Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hands to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. Except only what the young men have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me, Aner, Eshcol, and Mamre, let them take their portion. Proverbs says, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Sad to say that there are many who feel as though they can live without the blessing of the Lord. For there is nothing better than the blessing of the Lord. And when we come to understand that, saints, then we come to see what life is all about. And we come to see what thanksgiving really is all about. It is to live from the blessings of the hands of Jesus Christ. Now, this morning, <clears throat> we meet Abram here. And we see him this morning as a soldier. We see him as a captain, don't we? Yes, we see him in a different light this morning, for we don't often see Abram in this light. Abram is a man of character. He is uh, a humble man before God. But this morning, he's a captain of an army. He's a soldier, isn't he? For you see, in this time, there were many tribes and many peoples, and there were many kings, and they strived against one another. They did not see eye to eye. They struggled against one another. Who is the most powerful? Just as we do today. Who is the most powerful? And at this time, there was a king. He was quite powerful. Kedor Laomer was his name. He was a very powerful king. And he subjected all of these other kings 
unto himself. For 12 years, these other kings had to pay tribute to him. They had to pay taxes to him. And they served him. And in the 13th year, some of those kings got together and they revolted. They rebelled against this powerful king. Well, as you can expect, this stirred the anger of the king and he was very wroth. And in fact, those other kings felt the wrath of Kedor Laomer, didn't they? He went and he conquered those kings and their land. And he took the spoils of all of their land. He conquered them, conquered all of these lands, including Sodom, thereby taking Lot unto himself. Sodom was plundered, Lot was taken. One got away and came back to Abram. Now, Lot, here we are, Lot, Lot who did not obey Abraham. Lot who did not obey the Lord. Lot who did not subject himself unto the Lord and unto Abraham. Lot who had not humbled himself before God. Lot who had chosen Sodom over Abraham. He chose the world over the blessing. Sound familiar to anybody? He chose Sodom over Abraham. Now, it would seem only fair, and you would think in your mind, that when Abraham hears this, he would say, well, Lot, this is what happens when you go your own way. Lot, you should have thought about that earlier. Now, you must save yourself. For you had an opportunity to be under the blessing of the Lord. Instead, Abraham, this humble man, this one who doesn't usually cause trouble, this one who maybe shies away from conflict, instead of saying, Lot, you should have thought about that earlier, the first thought that comes to his mind is that Lot must be saved. Lot must be saved. He cares for Lot. He says that Lot must be set free. And so he grabs 300 or so of his servants, ones who grew up in his house. Not the militia, not an army, but they were trained servants. He grabbed them together and he armed them. And he said, we're going after Lot. We're going after Kedor Laomer. Now, mind you, this is a very powerful king. Get it in your mind. This king had other kings subjected to him. Could you imagine a king humbling himself so much that he pays taxes to you? This is where Kedor Laomer was. But Abram didn't think about that. 
I don't care how powerful the king may seem. I must go get Lot. And if that means coming against Kedor Laomer, the ruler and prince of this world, then that's what I'll have to do. And so Abram went and he pursued Kedor Laomer. And by the hand of God, he defeated the most powerful king in the world. And everyone was set free. The people of Sodom were set free. And Lot was retrieved. You might say to yourself, like I did reading this story, how could Abraham do this? He has 315 servants in his house. And he took them and he went and he plundered not only the most powerful king in the world, but he had four other kings that were with him. And he had conquered four other kings who were now with him. So you could say the greatest army in the world, Abraham and 318 of his servants went and conquered simply to retrieve Lot. Abraham understood, just like Jonathan told his armor bearer later, that the Lord can save by many or he can save by few. But it is about the hand of God. Reminds me of the stories that Jesus told when he said the shepherd, would he not leave the 99 to go retrieve the one? Would the woman who lost her coin not sweep her whole house and tear it all up just to find the one coin? Would the father not wait by the roadside, hoping, wanting, wishing, waiting for his son to come back home? Abraham, in his mind, said, Lot must be saved. Now, I think about this story, and I think about Sodom. And how Lot chose Sodom. If you think about it, Sodom in the end was really blessed. If you think about it, Sodom in the end of this story did not get what she deserved as a nation. Sodom was the world. Sodom had turned her back on God. And Lot joined up with Sodom, thereby turning his back on God. And so he deserved to be left where he was. Sodom didn't deserve to be rescued. I'm talking this morning about the manifestation of thanksgiving. And here we see the occasion for thanksgiving as Lot and Sodom are rescued and brought back, though they didn't deserve it. Reminds me of Adam and Eve committing sin and running from God and hiding, not seeking God out, but hiding. But God, with his infinite love and infinite wisdom, went and tracked them down simply to bring them back in spite of themselves. This is what Abraham did, as we see this morning. Lot was not a blessing to Sodom, folks, but Abraham was. 
There are many people who would say, well, in order to influence the world, you must be like the world. You must do the things that they do. You must stoop to their level. You must intermingle. You must do the things that the world does in order to influence them, in order to win them unto yourself. Lot did that, and Lot was no blessing. Abraham had the revelation, as David would later give us, that it is better, one day is better, in the presence in the house of God than a thousand elsewhere, even if it means prosperity in Sodom, even if it means prosperity in the world. One day in the house of the Lord is better. And so Abraham kept himself separate from Sodom. Lot did not. Lot was not a blessing to Sodom. Abraham was. Abraham rescued Sodom. Why? Because he kept himself separate. He kept himself unto the Lord, thereby having the power to do what was necessary. For you see, if you become intermingled and mixed in with the world, you will not have the power to do what is necessary to rescue yourself, much less rescue the world. We must stay separate. And this is where God tells us, be in the world and not of the world. See. So Abraham rescues Lot. And on his way back, he meets two kings. He meets Melchizedek, which we'll get back to. And then he meets the king of Sodom. And the king of Sodom is so thankful. And he tells Abraham, listen. Take the spoils. Just give me my people. And Abraham, true to God and true to himself, is saying to the king of Sodom, I have kept myself separate this whole time. And therefore, I will not change now, lest you say that you made Abram rich. But no, it was the Lord. It was the Lord that delivered you. And it was the Lord that gives me my sustenance and that prospers me. And therefore, I will not take anything from the Lord. I, will, I mean, I will not take anything from the world, from Sodom. I will not be tempted. Just as Satan tempted Jesus, bow to me once and I will give you the world. And he said, no, is every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. That is the blessing. Christ is the blessing. And Abraham knew this. Because God would tell him in the first couple verses of the next chapter that, Abram, I am your very great reward. I am your great reward. Not the, You won't find it in the world. I am your reward. And so we see the occasion here for thanksgiving. And so we tell Sodom no, but then he goes and he meets with another king. The king of Salem. Melchizedek. And we say, well, who is this Melchizedek? Especially when you read the Bible and you see that God is very careful to make sure he gives us pedigree. God is very careful to make sure that he gives us genealogy, isn't he? Even when he told us about Jesus in the New Testament, he went back 28 generations in one book, 14 generations in another book. And he went down the line. But here, 
Melchizedek, who is he? No mother, no father, the Bible says. Hebrews 7 talks about him. He came out of nowhere, no warning. He was not mentioned among the other kings earlier in the chapter. Yet, here he is. And he meets Abram. And he tells Abram two things about God. He said, blessed be Abram of the God most high. And so right there, he separates God from everything else. There are creatures. There are others that we call gods. There are people that we put on pedestals. But he is the God most high. Not just the very high God. The most high God. There is none above him. And he establishes that with Abram. And then he says a second thing. He says, possessor of heaven and earth. Everything belongs to God. Man can look in the universe and we can observe planets and stars and solar systems. But then they do not belong to the scientists. They belong to God. Psalms, David said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And everything in it belongs to him. And so everything belongs to God. And so we wonder and we say, this Melchizedek, Melchizedek is both a king and a priest. Now to some, that may not, may not mean much. But if you look at it, you must understand that it is near impossible to hold those two offices, a king and a priest. A king is one after the fall, that must sit above the people. A priest is with the people. Now, Adam was this before the fall. He was, all, he was a king and a priest and a prophet. But when sin came in, could not be both. God separated those two offices. A king must sit above and judge the people. A priest must plead for the people. A king must pass judgment and he must rule over the people. Well, a priest forgives the people. But this Melchizedek was both. He was both. Why did he approach Abram? Well, in reading this story, could it be that Abram did it? Give God his proper due. Maybe to some of you that just sounds like it couldn't be correct. Abram loved the Lord. Now he did tell Sodom that I will not take your plunder. Lest you say that you made me rich. But where is the thanksgiving unto God from Abram? And so we hear it from the words and the mouth of the priest. Thanks be to God and blessed be Abram of the God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. One thing we learn from our text today, out of all of this babble this morning, that we cannot give proper thanksgiving unto God 
without a high priest, without an intercessor. Abram couldn't give proper thanks to God without an intercessor, without a high priest. You see, the manifestation of thanksgiving comes when we recognize that we must thank God and we must see God through Jesus Christ. For there are many religions in this world that acknowledge God, a God. But when you don't see Him through the high priest, you cannot properly give thanksgiving unto Him. You cannot properly acknowledge Him unless you see Him through Jesus, who is our high priest. He is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. You wonder why that's in there. Well, this is why. Because we see how Melchizedek stood in the gap between Abram and God. Jesus forever stands in the gap between us and God. And I want to tell you this morning, boys and girls, we do not deserve what God gives us. We do not deserve it. Had it not been for Christ on the cross, come on, who has shed his blood for the remission of our sins. And would it not be for him now even? Come on, even right now, as an intercessor between us and God, we would experience the wrath of God. For you see, Sodom did not turn to God, nor did Lot at this time. It took something else for Lot to turn to God. But Sodom did not turn to God, and they experienced the fire and brimstone of God. And I want to tell you something this morning. God is a loving God. Yes, He is a loving God. But I want you to notice this morning that the fire and brimstone that was rained down upon Sodom, the judgment that they got, did not come up from hell. It came from heaven. Would you be one this morning that would say, well, God is such a good God, therefore I can do what I want, I can live the way I want, I can turn my back on him, and I know that he'll be like that father standing by the roadside, so when I want to come home, I can just do that, taking the chance that something may come from heaven that is not so nice. Lot lost what he thought was his country. He lost his wife, and he barely escaped with his life. Only because of the grace of God did he escape with his life. Well, we take that chance. You see, there is an opportunity this morning. There is an opportunity for the sinner to turn to the Lord. But there is also an opportunity for the saint to not only know the Lord, but to be known by God, to recognize that we must give him thanksgiving through Jesus Christ. We must thank him through Jesus. It is the only way we can do it. I mentioned last week when we were talking about the name of Jesus that really a great revelation came to me that even when we pray, we can't pray properly without ending by saying, in Jesus' name. 
I know that it sounds very practical. Maybe it sounds trivial. Of course, God hears my prayer. But haven't we just seen this morning, boys and girls, that there must be an intercessor. There must be an intercessor for us in order to even speak to God. And in this time of year, to even thank God. It is like this. There's a story of a young girl. Well, she wanted to pick some flowers for her mother, and she was out, and she went and picked flowers, and she picked all sorts of things, as young girls do. And she gathered all these together, and uh, she took them up to give them to her mother. Well, when she got to the house, her father saw her and said, Hello there, young lady. What, what are you doing? And she said, well, I'm going to give these flowers to mother. And he said, oh, that's wonderful. What a wonderful gesture. Let me, let me see them. Let me see what you're going to give to her. And he took the flowers from her. And he turned his back. And he went through them. And he picked out the weeds. And he picked out the poison ivy. And the poison oak. And all the things that weren't becoming that she didn't even know were in there. And then he turned back to her and he said, now go give this to your mother for it is ready. This, saints, is what Jesus does for us. He carries our prayers to the Father. And so this week, when you gather together with your family or whatever it is that you do to give thanks, please remember that you must thank God through Jesus Christ. It's not just about pilgrims landing in this country, but it's about what Jesus did for us. You see, I know at Christmas time we say Jesus is the reason for the season, but even at Thanksgiving, saints, He is the reason for our thanks. And so we cannot thank Him properly without Jesus.